Boker Tov and good morning. Welcome back to Living with Emuna, our weekly Wednesday morning group to give one another chizik, to strengthen one another, to remind ourselves that which should be obvious and that which we should know by now. Namely, that there is an Almighty, there is a Creator, there is a God, there is a Father in Heaven who loves us, who has expectations of us, and He yearns for our relationship with us. And it's so easy to forget. We need to remind ourselves a hundred times a day. We make a hundred blessings a day in order to remind ourselves. And uh, more than once a week, Wednesday mornings, but we'll start with Wednesday mornings. I want to thank our generous Emuna sponsors this morning, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan. Thank you so much for your generous sponsorship in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Gaubet whom we still miss desperately, and in memory of Ella, Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Chanzer. Thank you so much for Neshama Shav and Aliyah. Also, this morning's Parsh, uh, Emunah class is sponsored by Carol Wald in commemoration of the Yerzeit of her beloved father, Benjamin Presner. His Neshama Shav and Aliyah. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor a future class of Living with Emunah or any other, please email lee at brsonline.org, lee at brsonline.org. Okay, we're jumping right back in. By Yomdur the great Sefer, uh, teachings of Ravitch and Maya Morgenstern that we've been studying. I don't know that we're worthy or, or qualified to study, but we've been studying. It's a great platform and it's a framework for us to be able to have discussions about dvekas, what it means to cling to God, to stick with God, to glue ourselves to God, to attach ourselves to God, to know that God has our back. I thank those of you who continue to send me your Emuna emails. I love to hear your stories. They inspire me. And uh, when you give me permission, I share them to be able to help inspire others as well. So the last chapter was Dvekas, was the notion of defining the possibility of living a life of such mindfulness, living a life of such acute awareness that God is always in the room. He's always looking over our shoulder. He's always lifting our spirits. He's always having expectations of us. We're never, ever alone. He's always with us and he's always around us. And to never stop believing. The moment we don't believe we're capable of it, the moment we think that we're isolated or lost or distanced or on our own is when we're in trouble. We have companionship. We're never, ever alone. We're always together, even when it feels we are that way. So we began last week this second parak about Darche Kenyan Dvekas, the methodology and the strategy for how to acquire Dvekas, how to acquire a life in which we are clinging to the Almighty. How do we merit for such a thing? Are we worthy? Because some will say, you know what? I haven't really perfected keeping kosher. Shabbos. I haven't perfected my davening. I haven't perfected my blessings. I'm not always kind to everybody. I struggle with my arrogance and my envy. So who am I to think that I could qualify for a life of dvekas? Am I such a holy roller? I'm going to walk around preaching and talking God all the time. I'm going to invoke God and turn to God and think about God when, when I haven't even gotten down the basics. Who am I? And Ravitcha encourages us to never, ever think that way, to recognize that this is our father. Does any child say, who am I to be close with my parents? You know, after all, I forgot uh, to give them a card for gift for Hanukkah. After all, I uh, don't always say good morning. I don't always listen to what they ask me to do, so I guess I shouldn't even try to be close. God forbid every one of us has the capacity. Every one of us has the capability. And every one of us is invited for that opportunity for ourselves, and it's what God, our Father in Heaven, wants of us. So let's get into it. The first thing. He's going to be darche. These are the methodology, the strategy for how to acquire a life in which we are attaching ourselves to God, in which we feel His presence, and it gives us the strength to be able to get through on a regular basis. So the first is obvious, it's emuna. It's to live with emuna, which is what our shir is all about. Living with emuna. That emuna is not theoretical, it's not conceptual, emuna is not in the abstract, emuna is not academic, emuna is real. 
It's who I am and it's how I live and it's what my life is informed and defined by. Every Jew knows intuitively, intrinsically, we believe that there is a God. We know it. We know it. We studied together the beautiful Mimer, the beautiful teaching of Rav Hanan Wasim and Hashem Yikom Damo, murdered by the Nazis, in which Rav Hanan said, how could a bar mitzvah child, a girl turns 12, a boy turns 13, and we expect them, one of the commandments is they have to believe in God? I don't understand, he says. Aristotle struggled with evidence of God. Great minds, brilliant people struggle with evidence of God. And here you got this 12 or 13 year old kid and we say, you must believe. You could tell the 12 or 13 year old kid, shake a lulav. You could tell them, light a menorah. But believe in God when those much older and much greater than them have struggled? How could it be? How could it be? And he says, the answer is, every child knows from conception, from inception, from when they enter the world, every child instinctively and intuitively knows they have that spark inside themselves. Not just the Pintaliyid, every human being knows that there's a creator, there's a God. In fact, it takes more belief to be an atheist, more faith to reject God than to accept Him. Because if you just look around this world and you see the complexity, if you look around this world and you see how sophisticated, you see the details, the minutia, if you look around this world and you know that every book has an author and every building has an architect and every sculpture has a sculptor, then you know that this world also has a creator, namely the Almighty. So Ko Yehudi, every Jew knows, we know in our kishkas, we know in our heart, and even those who fight it, and even those who claim to reject it, they too know there are just layers of life experiences, layers of disappointment or hurt, layers of people who got in the way for them to be able to fully believe it. The first step to achieve a life of clinging to God, of knowing He's in the room, of attaching ourselves to Him, is to work on emuna, is to remind ourselves, investigate the evidence of God's existence. Listen to the voice of God inside us who says, hello, I'm here. You see that magnificent day? You see that coincidence of the thing that worked out? You see the blessings in your life? That's me talking to you, says God. I'm here. I'm here. And the gateway, the entrance into Amuna is speech. Is speech. What does that mean? Talk to God. Get used to talking to God. One of the words, we have a lot of synonyms for prayer, and one of them is sicha. We learn it from Yitzchak. Yitzchak went out to talk to God in the field. So we think about prayer, we think about the prayer book and the liturgy and the chazan and the environment and all the pomp and circumstance. But the most authentic and the most genuine, the most real form of prayer is simply opening your mouth and talking to God pouring out your heart. That word, that form of prayer, which is sicha, sicha means a conversation. The greatest form of prayer with God is just to have a conversation with Him. All right, God, here's what's going on in my life. I know you know because you're the omnipotent, infinite being, but let me tell you in my own words what's going on in my life. Let me tell you about my family, my hopes, my dreams, my disappointments. Let me tell you my frustrations. Let me tell you my great pleasures. And let me tell you my pain. Let me tell you everything that's going on in my in my life. Let me tell you, it's a sicha. Let me tell you what I object to and my protest to. Let me tell you what I'm grateful for. Let me talk to you not as if you're right in front of me, but you are right in front of me. I'm having a conversation with you. You know, I got away from this for a little while. I was preaching hispodidus. I was preaching, talking to God three minutes a day, 
disconnecting, putting your phone on airplane mode, just allowing your mind to clear and to calm and talking to God. I got away from it, but last week I did it again and I can't tell you how amazing it was, how invigorating it was, how nourishing it was to that relationship with Hashem. Because you could learn the daf yomi and make it to Minyan and Davin from the Siddur and do all the mitzvahs and light the Hanukkah candles later this week. You could check, 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 check. The relationship is stale. And like any relationship, it needs communication and it needs time. You could take out the garbage and cook dinner and pay the bills and you could do everything. Bring home flowers and chocolates and write a beautiful card. But if you don't spend time and have a conversation with your spouse, if you're not spending time with your children, if you're not really getting to know and being curious and, 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 uh, and inquisitive about their life, if you're not sharing and confiding and making yourself vulnerable, then you're not nourishing a relationship. And so the relationship with Hashem is the same way. Is the same way. So you'll say, well, what do I have to tell him about my innermost feelings? What do I have to tell him about my disappointments or my hurt or my greatest joys? Or my... What do I have to share that? He knows. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's perfect. He has access to it all. He already knows it all. So why do I have to share it? And the answer is the experience and the exercise of sharing it is an experience and exercise of confiding, of making ourselves vulnerable, of drawing a bridge and of making a connection. That's what yields the closeness. That is the relationship. So says Ravitcha Meyer, the, the pathway, the sha'ar, the gateway into a life of emunah, the gateway into a life of, of faith is koach adibur, is speech, the power of speech. Start to get used to talking to God. It's a conversation. In the old days, people would call you crazy. They'd put you in an institution for that. But we say we put you on a pedestal for that because that's what we're all trying to achieve. Talk to God. In the car, on the drive, in the kitchen while you're cooking, in the, in the, in, on the treadmill, at the gym, at work, while going for a walk, in whatever context, talk to God. You know what a beautiful thing about the mask is? The mask mandate or wearing the mask? Nobody knows what you're doing, that your lips are moving. You know, as a religious or observant Jew, it was complicated sometimes. You come out of a bathroom, you got to make an asher but you're in a public place. How do you make that asher without looking like an absolute freak? How do you dive into Hashem or talk to Him in a moment without looking like an absolute weirdo? But now you have a mask and nobody knows that your lips are moving. Nobody knows who you're talking to. It's also one of the gifts of the cell phone. You could stand in an airport in Davin Mincha in the corner and just hold the phone to your ear while you're talking to God. You don't call anybody, but it's one of the great gifts that we have. You have to see the silver lining in some of the times that we're, that we're living in. So, um, so says Richard Meyer, the first, the first suggestion, the first step in this formula of how to live a life of greater dveikas is emuna, And the first step of emuna is to talk to God. Sicha. To speak to him. Tell him everything that's on your heart. Unburden yourself. Make a crack. You know how the light gets into your heart when you open it up? The same way that you call a friend and you catch up. The same way that you have coffee with someone and you confide. So too with God. Ask him for help. Ask him for help. Develop the habit that everything you do, you involve and invoke God. God, I'm putting the kugel in the oven. Hashem, let the kugel come out well. God, I'm cooking up a drasha. God, give me the right words and help me say it in the right way that your words will resonate, that I'll be able to get your message across. God, I'm driving from point A to point B. Help me get there without incident. Let me not get in an accident or get a ticket. Let it all go smoothly and go well. There's no activity that we're doing in life that we can't spend a moment, a brief moment, by introducing it, by saying, God, I know that the determination of the success of this is because of you. So let it go well. 
let it go well. Whatever we have to do. I'm doing my taxes, God, let it go well. I have to write a report, let it go well. I'm applying for a job, I'm going on a date, whatever it is. This is, we saw, we studied once, one of the interpretations of what it means, wouldn't it be amazing if a person prayed the entire day long? What does it mean, pray the entire day long? You gotta get to work. You gotta cook dinner. You gotta drive carpool. How do you pray the whole day long? And the answer is, not in shul and not from the sitter. But wouldn't it be amazing if all day long with every activity we do, we first introduce it with a prayer. May the cake come out well. May the drive be safe and secure. May I not get coronavirus even though I came out from underneath my bed. May I, wherever you go and whatever you do, is there not something worth praying for? May the shear go well. May the Wi-Fi not break down. May the, there's nothing that we do that wouldn't benefit and wouldn't center us and calibrate our compass by first introducing it with, and Hashem, I know I need your help. And how about the right afterwards? How many of us ask for that help on the way there? But do we pause afterwards and say, wow, the drusha went pretty well. Thank you, Hashem. The chuppah speech went well, that worked out. That journey, that trip I had to take, I went and I came back and I didn't test positive and I did everything I could, but thank you for that. How many times after the fact do we pause to say thank you to him? So conversation, regular conversation. Part of the davening and part of the speaking to God is, God, please help it become easier to speak to you. Please let it flow more naturally. Please let me remember more instinctively to talk to you. You can daven, it sounds paradoxical, you can daven for emuna. You can daven to talk to God. So the Koach Adibur, this power that we have of speech, speech creates reality. That's why it's the same word. Ledaber is to speak and davar is a thing. Our speech creates things. Not just speech recognition, speech recognition which we, which we know in our generation more than any other because we talk into our phone or we talk to our car or we tell an oven what to do and it does it so we can identify with the notion of speech recognition that Hashem spoke 10 times and He created the world. No generation before ours understood what that meant. God spoke and it created? What does that even mean? But our generation is beginning to understand it, and I'm sure the next generation will understand it even further. The idea that, right, it's not far off that you'll be able to tell your car, take me home. And the next thing you know, you'll sit back and read a book, you'll hop a shluf, and you'll end up in your driveway. Speech recognition. So Dibor creates a dove, our speech creates things. And the same is true in terms of our feelings. The same is true in terms of our, our attitudes. When we speak, we create that reality. You know, you want to feel love for your spouse, tell them often that you love them. If you're, if you're hold back and you're not emotive and you don't share how you feel, it's going to be hard to feel, connect that reality. But when you say, I love you, and I'm not saying that you should say things that you don't feel, but you don't need to feel it entirely in that moment, but you say, I love you, and the love follows. The speech creates the reality. Confide in someone and you draw a connection with them. Make yourself vulnerable them, <coughs> or accept their vulnerability to you and you'll feel a connection. So says Ravitcher Meyer, the first step is dibur, is the power of speech. The more you speak to God, the more He will feel palpable, the more He'll feel tangible, the more that you will see Him all over the place. If every activity you do, you begin to introduce with Hashem, please help me, and Hashem thank you afterwards when it went well, you'll start to see Him everywhere. You'll see Him in the parking spot you got. 
You'll see him in the light turning green when you needed it. You'll see him in feeling healthy when you weren't sure if a cold was coming on. You'll see him in the new business deal that you closed. You'll see him in the food that turned out to be delicious. You'll see him everywhere because you're looking for him, because you're talking to him, because you're asking him, and because you're thanking him. And our studying this dafka, this parsha, parsha's Vayeshev, could not come at a better time because the parsha tells us, the parsha tells us that who is the paradigm who was the role model for this? None other than Yosef HaTzadik, Joseph. Pasuk says, Vahi Hashem as Yosef, Vahi Ish Matzliach. God was with Yosef, and he was a successful person. Now, what does it mean to be successful? A nice car? A big house? A lot of friends and followers online? How do you define success? So in this context, we say, you know what success is? Dvekas. When you cling to God, and when it brings you the calm and the serenity, and the emotional, spiritual, physical balance, well-being, and health, then you're living a successful, balanced life. So it describes how did Yosef achieve that success? What does it mean to achieve that success? Why well, Hashem as Yosef? Because God was with Yosef. Why was God with Yosef? Listen to Rashi. Rashi in the Pasha says, you know what it means? Ki Hashem that God was with him. Shem Shamayim Shagur Befiv. Yosef was always talking about God. Yosef was an annoying seminary girl who just got back from her year in Israel. Baruch Hashem, Amir Hashem, Be'ezras Hashem, Chaste Hashem, every word out of his mouth, Hashem, 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 Hashem. That was Yosef. Yosef was Shem Shamayim Shagar. Please God, with God's help, thank God, if it's God's will, every way that you can involve and invoke God in a sentence, that was Yosef. Now you'll say, okay, you do that, but you're not going to do that in a business meeting because how do you know that potential business partner, the one that you want to negotiate with, how do you know they believe in God? Maybe they'll be offended. What are you imposing your God on them? No, Yosef did it. If Yosef was at the doctor, if Yosef was meeting with his stockbroker, if Yosef was saying hello to the pilot, if Yosef was talking to a potential new boss in an interview, he never hesitated and he wasn't worried, including Paro, the greatest, strongest person in the world, leading the empire of the world. Yosef never hesitated or resisted. Yosef, Shem Shemaim Shagar Befiv, he was always talking about God. With God's help, please God, thank God with God's help, he was always, always talking about God. And you know what that did for him? I'll tell you an amazing vort from Rabbi Cheskel of Shin of the Shin of Rebbe. You know what that did for him? Later, in our Parsha, when the wife of Potiphar propositions Yosef, one of the most salacious stories in Torah. You may not know it because your teachers all skipped it. But now it wakes you up every, every year when we hear this Parsha of Yeshiv. We know the story of the wife of Potiphar, a beautiful woman. And Yosef is a very handsome and capable and charismatic young man. And the wife of Potiphar doesn't just try to seduce or... or, or make an advance to Yosef, she propositions him. She all but essentially hashtag me too um, violates him. And Yosef finds the wherewithal to resist. In a hostile environment, a foreign land, with no access or communication with his father, with his brothers, he's all alone in this world and somehow he finds the, the capacity to resist. Where does he find it from? So in the parsha it says, Vayima'ein, Vayomer, he resisted and he said to her, get lost, I'm not sleeping with you. I'm not going to sleep with you. It's very explicit, even somewhat graphic. He says to her, thank you, I'm complimented. Wow, I appreciate that, but I can't do it. You're a married woman and your husband is my boss. He's trusted me with his household. He certainly trusts me not to violate you. And therefore, while I'm flattered, thank you, but no thank you. He rejects, he resists, and he says. That word has the cantillation, the trump of a shashelis on top. It looks like three triangles. Yesterday in the Pasha class, 
Sorry, I had to put you through that. Yesterday in the Parsha class, we shared one insight of Rabbi Soloveitchik, but the Shinnah Rebbe gives another one. The word Vayima'in, which means to reject or resist, also comes from the root of Emuna. Emuna. You know how Yosef found the wherewithal? Do you know where he found the strength, the koach, the courage, the resolve, the tenacity to resist her advance? Do you know what gave him the energy and the strength to do the right thing in that right moment when all the odds were against him and when his natural instinct and his flaming desire was to give in? How did he have the mindfulness? How did he have the presence? How did he have the willpower to say no? Because of Ayyama'in, he tapped into Emunah. You see, he had created this wellspring of Emunah because Shem Shemaim Shogar Befiv. When you talk about something, it becomes a reality. When you speak about something, you create a reality. So when you become that annoying seminary girl or yeshiva flip out, and you say, Baruch Hashem, Amir Hashem, Hashem, when you say, please God and thank God, and if it's God's will, and everywhere you go, everyone knows that you're going to invoke God. And let's pray on it. Let's spend a moment. Let's think about it. What does God want us to do? What would God want? And let's thank God for what just happened. And you invoke God constantly and regularly. When you speak about God, then you create a reality. So Vayima'in, says the Shinnever, he found the courage, the energy to resist, to reject. Vayima'in, because Shalshalas, he three times tapped into, he sat there and meditated. He meditated, he said over and over again, Emuna, Emuna. You know, earlier in the Parsha, it occurred to me, I was was looking at the Parsha this morning, that, uh, I don't have the Pasuk in front of me, but when they bring Yaakov the bad news, I know this isn't the Parsha class, they bring not Yaakov the bad news, that Yosef, um, they bring the coat that was dipped in blood, and they say that Yosef uh, was killed by an animal, the Pasuk tells us that Yaakov, his father, was inconsolable. He absolutely refused to grieve. He was inconsolable. He refused. So what does the Pasuk say? All of his children came in order to comfort him, to console him. And what does the Pasuk say? That same word, Vayima'ain, he refused to be consoled. So you know where Yosef got that capacity of Vayima'ain? That same word, Vayima'ain, which means to refuse, to reject. In Yosef's case, he rejected the advance, the proposition of the wife of Potiphar. In Yaakov's case, he resisted, he rejected any words or offer of consolation. Vayima'ain. Where do you ever get the courage of Vayima'ain? In Yaakov's case, what was he rejecting? When he was inconsolable, what he was rejecting is he said, I'll never give up hope. I'll never give up hope. It's never hopeless. I absolutely refuse to be consoled because I refuse to believe that he's gone. I refuse to accept it. One always holds out hope. The impossible is possible. Vayima'ain. And what gives us the courage of the energy for that? Emuna, says the Shinnever. The same root of the word Emuna and Vayima'ain. So therefore, says Rabbi what's the first step to a life of Tevekas? We all want it. We all want it. We want to be calm and serene and happy and satisfied and fulfilled. We want our health to be better, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical. We want to go through life with a smile on our face and ready to take on and absorb whatever comes our way, as difficult, as hard as it is. You know what does it? When you live a life of Emuna Dibur, the gateway is to speak to God and speak about God. We've shared many, many times Chassid Shirebas, He'emanti ki adaber. We say in Halal, He'emanti ki adaber. We're about to say it in Hanukkah often. He'emanti ki adaber. I have Amuna ki adaber because I speak about God. We learn that from Yosef HaTzadik. The more you talk about something, the more you create a reality. When you tell Alexa what to do, she listens. When you tell Siri what to do, it listens. When my son was like four or five years old, it was my proudest moments. Little boy, such a Yiddish cup, he says to me, Abba, 
Are Siri and Alexa best friends? <laughs> Isn't that a great line? That made a lot of sense, right? Siri and Alexa should be best friends. They're both inside devices. You tell them what to do. They never answer you back. They do. So he said to me, are Siri and Alexa best friends? It's like a Yiddish cup. It was a great, a great chap. So we can speak and create reality. If I can talk to Alexa and she plays music, I talk to Siri and it gives me directions, then I can talk about God and I'll feel connected and close to him. I create reality by my speech about it. When Yosef spoke with Amuna, he had the courage to resist the wife of Potiphar. When Yaakov tapped into his Amuna, he had the courage to reject that feeling of hopelessness and to remain hopeful and optimistic and positive and to believe and to see the goodness. And I'll tell you one more thing from the Parsha. We'll get back to Rivet Shemayr. Because in our Parsha, it also tells us that when Yosef has been sold down and a caravan of Yishma'elim come to be able to take him down to Egypt, so he's, um, they are spice merchants. And normally spice merchants trade in very malodorous spices, things that smell really terrible. So could you imagine? He'd be stuffed in the back of a van with all of their materials and goods, and it would smell horrible. But instead, it happened to be that this group of spice agents were spelling, sm- selling something, transporting inventory, which smelled good. And Rashi quotes Chazal tell us that Yosef was very grateful. He felt very blessed. And you look at that and you say, hold on one second. Yosef is being sold into slavery. He's being transported in the cattle car. But something smells good. So he pauses and says, thank you, God, that smells amazing. And you know what the commentators say? Yeah, that's Yosef. Yosef's able to, even in the midst of hardship, not, Yosef felt the hardship when he ends up being falsely accused by that wife of Potiphar. He should have been the victim, hashtag me too, but she screams that she was violated and the world came to her defense without, of course, investigating properly, falsely accusing Yosef. He ends up in prison falsely accused. Yosef wasn't happy. He asked the Saramashkin for help. Yosef understood he was in a difficult predicament. Nobody's asking you to be happy about that, which is hard. There are people who have difficult years right now. There are people dealing with illness or financial crisis. There are people very, very, very lonely from this horrific pandemic. And, and nobody's telling them, lean in, embrace it, be happy, put a skip in your step. It's the best thing that ever happened to you that you've spent the last nine months utterly and absolutely alone in essential solitary confinement. No one's telling you that. But you know what Yosef tells us? That even being transported in the caravan to loneliness, you can smell roses. You can stop and smell the roses even within the hardship when you believe in God. When you feel the entire world is against you and destiny is against you, then you never see anything good. But when you believe there's a God and you don't understand why he's making you endure that hard moment, it's difficult to see his hand in those moments. It's difficult to feel connected or to feel grateful. But nevertheless, even within that, you're able to stop and say, wow, that's amazing, thank you. And I think it's a big suggestion for all of us, those who are struggling the most in this pandemic, but everybody who's been affected by this pandemic is like Yosef, Shem Shamaim Shagur Bafiv. Never stop talking about God. Speak about him, speak to him, protest, object, cry out, be angry at him, which is also a form of faith and belief in him. But even within that difficulty and those moments, smell the roses, see the positive fragrance, see the blessings, and be able to thank him before you go back to being upset or frustrated by some of the challenge and the misery. That's also part of the story of Yosef, that when you speak about God, then you have the capacity to see him, even from within the hardship, which is something that gives us a lot of, a lot of faith, gives us a lot of faith. Okay, back to Ravitch for a little bit more. 
The more you speak to God and about God, the more you invoke God, the more you see Him everywhere around you. And the more you see Him and feel Him, the stronger you'll be. So the foundation stone to a whole life of dvekas, of gluing, of clinging, of sticking to God, the foundation stone, the cornerstone of being able to do that is emuna, is knowing there's someone bigger and greater than us, that we are not the end-all and be-all, and the world is much more than what we just see in front of us, but that somebody's pulling the strings, that there is a creator, there's an omnipotent, infinite being, and that he loves us because he's also our father. The more we think and reflect and meditate, the more awareness we have of that, the more we'll see him and the stronger we'll feel. Very, very important to habituate ourselves to speak about and to think about emuna. And the more that we talk, and confide and think and collaborate with others, the more we subscribe to the Emuna lists and we listen to the Emuna Shiurim, not this one, others as well, the more that we're thinking and talking about Emuna, then we can rise above, we can elevate, we can position ourselves that we don't feel like victims and we don't have to feel like we are random statistics. And we don't have to feel like we are simply the victims of chance. But there's a God. And as difficult as some things that are happening are, it's all for a reason. And it's all somehow for our benefit. And even if we're not enjoying or appreciating that moment, like Yosef, we can still find the benefit and the pleasure. We can smell those Roman roses. We can pause for a moment within the hardship. It's all from above. And the more we surround ourselves with people who see that way, it's contagious. The more that we are involved in those conversations, the more that we approach it with that attitude, the more it will strengthen us. And I ask you, as I have several times before in our Emunah Shi'urim, because you'll say to me, Rabbi, you'll say, that's very difficult. Going through a hardship. People have experienced terrible loss or a diagnosis of an illness or financial hardship, or an issue with their children, of which there are fewer painful things than seeing a child struggle and stumble. So how do I believe that's from God? Why would a good, kind God do that? And how am I supposed to take that leap of faith to believe that it's from Him and, and there is a reason for it? So I ask you, I ask you, as difficult as that is, is it easier to believe that it's random and chance? Is it easier to believe that it's a coincidence? Is it easier to just believe you're a victim of nature and the natural order? That's easier? I find it and I believe that it's so much easier to understand, to say, I don't understand the reason why, but I submit and I surrender to a higher being. It gives me strength to know that this struggle and this suffering is not for naught. It's not empty and it's not random. There is a reason. I don't have access to know what it is. I long to one day find out. But until then, comforted to know that it's not for no reason. There is a reason and there's a way to grow from it. And we can all be enriched by it. And the more that a person makes the effort to speak about Amuna, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it with Amuna. So you don't believe. You're struggling. You're not sure. You're investigating. You're studying. You're thinking. You're reflecting. So what? In the meantime, with God's help, please God, thank God. Even while you're struggling, fake it till you make it. Talk about it till you get there. Because that doesn't make you a faker. It makes you somebody who's trying. It makes you somebody who's making an effort. It makes you somebody who has ambition and an aspiration to be that person, to live that way. 
As we said, that the more that a person speaks about the emuna, the more you're going to get there. So fake it till you make it. Talk that way. And don't be hesitant. Don't be hesitant. How come that when you meet with an evangelical Christian, how come when you meet with a religious non-Jew, they don't hesitate to talk about God? Please God, or with God's help, or let's pray on it, or let's pause and thank God. And we, the Jew, even with the yarmulke, the beard, or walking around, a man or woman who's identifiable as an observant Jew, still, we put our hand over our mouth while we mumble a bracha so nobody will see that we're making a blessing. We don't talk about God because we don't want to introduce that into the world. No, that's why we're here. It's our mission. Judaism was not meant for the Jews. We're here to transform the world like Yosef, who, by the way, succeeded. Yosef wasn't just Shem Shamayim Shogar B'fiv. Yosef didn't just talk about and invoke God all the time. Yosef did outreach very uh, implicitly in a nuanced, passive way. Yosef didn't share the Bible codes. He didn't do the discovery program. Yosef didn't try to provide evidence for God's existence. All he did was talk about God. And we'll see in next week's parasha that Yosef, when Paro calls him and says, I hear, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, spoiler alert. When, when Paro says, I hear you interpret dreams. He says, no, 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 no not me. It's not me. I, I have no skill set. It's from God. God speaks through my mouth. He enables me and gives me that skill set. It's on loan. It's not part of my permanent collection. I'm grateful to God. And he does so several times to Paro. And by the end, when Paro says, I love this interpretation, and I am installing you in my cabinet, he says, because God has given you such great skills, all of a sudden, Paro's a believer. Paro goes from this pagan or atheist uh, lowlife, but because Yosef talked a lot about God, Paro ends up talking about God. He ends up being a believer. It's incredible. Yosef does outreach. Yosef inspires, not by, again, explicitly trying to proselytize, but rather, Yosef does it in a very nuanced way, casually, just by invoking God. That's our mission. That's why we're here. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Don't hesitate or pause, but rather, speak about and speak to God. Does anyone here listening, live or later, not have countless things to daven for today? May this go well, may that go well. Help me with this, help me with that. And I'm not talking about some monumental thing. Help me solve world peace. Help me cure corona or cancer. I'm talking about help me get from point A to point B safely. Help me make it into my bed tonight without contracting coronavirus. Help the speech come out well. Help the kugel come out well. Help the conversation, a difficult conversation I have come out well. Help me with anything. Hashem, I'm restarting my computer. Help the Wi-Fi come out well, finally. Whatever it is, do we not have a million things a day that we can invoke a conversation with Him? Do we not have opportunities throughout the day when talking to others, at work, at the gym, at home, to be able to say, how are you? Thank God, you know, as difficult as it's been, I'm so grateful to God for X, Y, and Z. Thank God. Talk about God. Thank God. Invoke God. We have countless opportunities. Let's just finish. Part of the Ha'amantikya Daber is to learn books that talk about Amuna. And because, you know, I, you're going to already get nauseous by how many times I've said this, but our family's Hashkacha Pratis WhatsApp group, Hashkacha Pratis, Hashkacha Pratis. The other day I had a tremendous craving. I'm going to give you, you all know my list of favorite foods and what I struggle with, my kryptonites. So, corn muffins at the Grove, out of this world. Corn muffin with a hot coffee, particularly on a cold Florida day. It hit the 40s in Florida today. I want all the Northeasterners to be, have some sympathy for us. It was in the 40s. So, corn muffin. So, I ran into Kosher Mark. I ran into the Grove to get a corn muffin. It was packed. And there were long lines. And there were people who wanted to talk to me. And I was like, you know what? Forget it. I don't want to wait. I'm not going to get out of here. And lo and behold... 
Who was at the checkout? Already online? My mother. I said, Mom, pay for this corn muffin. I'm running out of here. Gave my mother a kiss. I hope nobody in the grove thought it was suspicious why the rabbi was giving this uh, woman older than he a kiss. Uh, and uh, I was wearing a mask, don't worry. And, uh, and ran out of the grove with the muffin. Hashkacha pratis. Record it and put it in the group. Hashem, isn't that amazing? It wasn't a coincidence. I had the craving. I wanted it right then. She was right there. She was checking out. She was kind and generous enough to cover the corn muffin for me. And I was able to get out of there. No harm, no foul. So you could run out and say, wow, what a coincidence. My mother was in the grove at the same moment. You could not even think about it as a coincidence and just run out of there. Or you could stop and say, thank you, Hashem. Thank you. That too was you. In that moment, insignificant, inconsequential. Not only would I not have suffered if I didn't get the corn muffin, I'd be a little bit thinner. So it wouldn't have been the worst tragedy in the world. Yet, even then, Hashem, thank you, thank you, thank you. Look for the Hashkacha Pratis moments. Record them. Share them. Large and small. And he ends this section, and really we should unpack it. Maybe we'll start with it next time. He says, read things that promote that God is involved in our lives and stop reading and watching and exposing yourself to the things which are trying to detract from that idea, which say there is no God and everything is nature and everything is human initiative and endeavor. Stop living in that world that's actually a fraudulent world and start living and surrounding and reading and being supported by the world, which is telling us the truth, which is that Hashem is involved in everything. So, whatever challenge you're going through, whether you're like Yaakov, who rejected the hopelessness, or Yosef, who rejected the wife of Potiphar, you'll find the strength by, by living in Emuna. And, become that seminary girl, become that flipped out yeshiva guy. Don't be shameful, don't be hesitant. Talk about God, talk to God, talk to Him every day. We continue 9 o'clock tonight. We're going behind the beam with Eli Peli, the founder and owner of Mishpacha Magazine. And uh, until next time, have a wonderful Hanukkah. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.